Dropping the hammer. No, you're not. And welcome back to Dropping the Hammer with Dale McFadden. I'm Dale McFadden, NASCAR writer for Frontstretch.com and Speedsport.com. Uh, here to talk about, well, te- te- technically we, we can talk about two races uh, two, that are just full of chaos and full of wonder, but mostly chaos. <laughs> wonder, how could this be happening? Um, we're going to be talking about Texas and at least a little bit about Bristol. And with me, as almost always is my good friend and podcasting co-host, John LaFollette. Say hi, so, John. <laughs> hi, hi, John. So, like, on, <laughs> like, Friday night or Thursday, I texted you, and I said, hey, man, not going to be able to catch the Texas race. I'm going to the Colts game. You know, those are long days, and I don't know if I'm going to be back in time to catch most of the race. So maybe not, won't be able to available for a podcast. Luck would have it. <laughs> luck, would, luck would have it that... Uh, not only was there a lightning delay and a rain delay, which helped me catch a good chunk of this race, but also everyone's talking about anything but the racing. <laughs> what not racing? Only are they not, what not racing? Only, yeah, exactly. Not only are we not talking about the racing or lack thereof, like we're talking about whether or not, not even are we not talking whether about NASCAR should abandon the Texas track. They're talking about like, should they just like completely demolish this track? Like yeah. it's just like the nuclear button, like like the finger is over the nuclear button, and it's been that way for several years. But it's like inching ever so close, and like this race, just like where do you even begin? Like like you know, I don't like, know. I can't, I can't think of a NASCAR race that was this bad to watch since the 2008 Brickyard. And I was at that race. Like I can't. Yeah. It was it was painful to watch. Well, it, uh, I I would argue that this was actually at least a little bit better because they were only going like 10 laps in that race right but like 10 shredding tires 10 laps shredding tires yes this was just a matter of all right whoever gets the lead cross your fingers yes (laughs) see 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 if you make it we're we're, we're all gonna play this this race is about survival and uh we're we're just trying to get to the end folks which is a it's a great, you know, thing for NASCAR. You know, hey, it's the playoffs. It's the big. It's our big time of year. Our regular season's been so much fun. Watch this race where the leader doesn't want to be in the lead. Isn't that well, great, they do, folks? They do, but they do want to be in the lead. The tires don't want to be in the lead. The, the tires aren't having it. It's like I don't like it. This sucks. I'm out. I mean, <laughs> I mean even Brad Keselowski, who won the poll, was like, "Yeah, I don't want to be in the lead." Like even the fastest qualifier is like, oh no, I'm just gonna hang out and just hope for the best. Like, like what's well, like, the thing? We, what are we, we doing? Went, we went 40 laps without anything happening. Yeah, it, it, and then it just bang, 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 and then we finally had that you know long run. I think how many laps? How many laps was the final run? Like 25? I don't know. Something it was a like long that. run. Nothing bad happened. So. <laughs> um but yeah and then tyler raddick comes away with his third one of the year uh he's this doesn't didn't really get talked about that i've seen is like tyler raddick now has the second most wins of the year yeah behind chase elliott with four um and he's not in the playoffs <laughs> no he's not in the playoffs anymore we have yet to have a playoff race where a playoff a, a, a player who a driver who's currently in the playoffs win a race yeah i love not it. a single one i love it <laughs> it's i mean i like it too but at the same time you know 
and I guess you could say this for most of the playoffs. I mean, maybe not Darlington and Kansas because those races felt like legitimate wins. But like mm-hmm. Bristol, Bristol and Texas have just felt like, okay, who's ever out front and just happens to have some luck on their side. It hasn't really felt like, it hasn't felt like, oh, Tyler Reddick really won that race. It was just kind of, well, he was just the guy at the end who didn't have his tires go to hell, you know? <laughs> because because Tyler Reddick and his crew chiefs, they said like they figured out that they were, they had, were overdoing it and practice on like the right front tire so they dialed some stuff back and so they didn't really have any issues in the actual race whereas everybody else was having problems once they got there confession i've already forgot who won bristol chris busher okay. that's right yes it was chris busher that's right first like, win first win in 222 races yes yes that's right and like that's why bristol kind of gets the benefit of the doubt because like it, it's a feel-good story chris busher wins popular driver he hasn't won in a long time like you mentioned but like that race wasn't good like it wasn't it wasn't fun it was it was again it, you, you couldn't pass and you could pass if you weren't going for the lead but if you're going for the lead you, there, you couldn't pass there were and, like there, there were like two passes yeah for the lead you had ryan but, blaine at the very end yeah. i mean the very beginning excuse me yeah. keselowski towards the end like that yeah. was it um and then the texas was texas race was just i don't know if everyone agrees that this is not sustainable and it's no. felt that it's felt that way everyone has said, said that for a very long time yeah but it feels like this was the like every, there were so many bad things that just coalesced into a giant you know you know what storm <laughs> and, well the thing and, is like this what happened in this race wasn't something new this has been happening no. since the second race of the year at auto club speedway <laughs> with, with tyler reddick cut down to cut down a tire while leading um uh it ha- happened at kansas in the spring uh happened at bristol it happens at all the large oval tracks intermediate tracks for the most part it didn't happen at darlington i don't remember any tire failures there Mm-mm, no i don't think so or not, not not nothing significant enough um but but this yeah this just this felt like the crescendo of <laughs> of certain storylines at least especially with the tires um but i think we all learned uh obey goodyear's recommended tire pressures um don't play with fire um because you you you're gonna be in the lead and then you're gonna go into turn three and you're gonna lose it um (laughs) and at the same time you would think that look i get you know recommended tire pressures and i get you know trying to but at the same time it's a competitive sport and teams are going to find any sort of advantage that they can yeah and but it just feels like there's gotta be it just feels like the the line between you know being fast and spinning in the wall by going too fast is just very small and it feels like there's got to be a way look i'm not an engineer (laughs) i'm just a i'm just a guy on his friend's podcast but there's got to be a way can we, get a, we, can we get a shirt for you that says that i'm just a guy on a friend's podcast. just a guy on a friend's podcast like the arrow pointing up to me i have my own <laughs> face on the shirt giving the thumbs up but like there's got to be a greater area of, for teams to play with it it feels like there's got to be some way to engineer a tire to be able to withstand some sort of limits that these teams put on them. because like like i said like you can like, like you said, it's been going on since the second race. And Goodyear, yeah. we've even talked about this before, where you read the email that Goodyear was sending out to teams saying, you know, the um, uh, recommended tire pressures. It's This is not a, yeah. a new thing. It's not something that teams are going to stop doing. Um, 
so I just, I wonder if there's a way for there to be some sort of meeting of the minds between, you know, the teams and the drivers and, you know, the powers that be at Goodyear to come up with some sort of way to get some other sort of tire compound in here that can take a little bit more punishment than the one that's got now. Yeah. Well, Jeff Burton, he put it a good way earlier this week. It's like, this is your first year with a brand new car. You've gone to a larger tire. You've gone to an independent rear suspension. There are just so many new variables that it's it, true that this stuff like this should have been expected. We're going to have issues uh, that this car was not going to roll off at speed weeks with everyone knowing exactly how stuff was going to transpire. Um, and here we are like, like Br- Br- Bristol. That was our first time on, on that track with this car. We had no idea what was going to happen. And you can't, when you only get like 20 minutes of practice, you're, you're not realistically recreating race conditions. Right. So you, and then <laughs> there's, there's stuff you're just not going to learn or figure out until you're 150 laps deep into a race. Like right. And then also with Bristol, that was the night that just every Toyota seemed to have steering power steering issues. Yeah. Like, you know, like just to the T every, except for, I think Denny Hamlin was the only one. I think, but like, I just feel like he, I think he, had... I think he, I think he lost a tire at one point. Yeah, so, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah just yeah. Toyota in general did not have a good night. But yeah, just power steering issues uh, just took everyone out from the Toyota camp. It felt like so. And and look, I know that the new car had its honeymoon period. Like yeah. we said, the first six weeks of the season, you've started at the clash at the Coliseum. Like this car couldn't miss. Um, but now not only with tires and everything else going on, I think the biggest issue also has been safety. Yeah. Um, and we saw that again with Cody Ware this week, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Fortunately, he only had like some soreness in his left uh, ankle. So thankfully, thankfully he's, he's fine. But yeah, that's the absolute hardest hit that we've seen yet with this car. And then he, he almost hits a pit entry, like yes. a pit wall entry thing down on pit road. It's like, oh God, it's going to be, mark martin at michigan all over again but it wasn't but he still took a hard hit um so, something needs to be done with those the the garage entrances or whatever on pit road you need like put padding on the end of the walls i don't know yeah i'm not sure what the answer would, would be there but like you know and i saw this i saw this on twitter i don't know who from so i can't properly attribute it so apologies for that but you know they showed a side-by-side of michael mcdowell's incredibly chaotic crash and then aside, and then it, you know it shows Cody Ware's crash, and obviously the more dramatic crash was McDowell's, but he just walked away. Yeah. And then you see Cody Ware's crash, which I know that not all crashes are the same, but just in looks alone, in looks alone, the more mundane crash is Cody Ware. Um, and well, like he, he well, and he can't. When I mean, think he, about when he, he, when, he can't when you think about away. it, when you think about it in the history in the history of NASCAR, going back to Dale Earnhardt's wreck in 01 that killed him. It didn't look bad. That's true. Um, Kurt Busch's bracket Pocono that's causing the miss uh, 10 races didn't look bad. Yeah, that's true. The, the, the wreck that Dale Jr. got that gave him that concussion that caused him to sit out the second half of the year didn't look like he just sideswiped the wall. It didn't look bad at all. Yeah. It, it's so it, it like it's all it's almost always the wrecks that don't look bad. And it's the bad wrecks. That the, the ones that look bad, that really nothing bad happens. So to you, so. True. But it, you know it, it. 
I guess it just it's those sorts of things are just more paramount now, just because again, the last several weeks, especially with Kevin Harvick leading the way, is just saying that you know mm. this car is not safe. Something has to be done. I think didn't Ryan Newman, who has an engineering degree, like speak to the the safety of these cars and had some questions and yeah, he did a little bit. Yeah. So and look, I I'm I'm very pro driver. These are the people who are mm. going to suffer the consequences of you know some sort of mathematical or engineering. Um, screw up um and you know as, as much as i do enjoy auto racing like i don't want like it's just at the end of the day these are just races like i don't want someone to not be able to go home to their wife and kids yeah um or their family over a race um and and again i don't know what the answer is because these composite bodies on these new cars it's, it feels like there's just no give Mm-hmm. Um, like the energy doesn't go it feels like the energy just stays with the driver yeah. and I mean even Alex Bowman I think you said this last time we recorded like Alex Bowman said that you know he's had some of the hardest hits of his career and he's someone who's been in the ICU with auto auto wrecks so um, and again like I said, Alex Bowman was in a he was in a wreck was it last week it was it Kansas I think it was Kansas. Yeah, he said yeah. like that was the hardest he's hardest crash he's ever been. Rolling? In. That was the, that was the hardest hit um, I've ever yeah. taken. And you know, I and again, like I said, I'm just a guy on his friend's podcast. <laughs> it, <laughs> but you know, NASCAR should take these complaints seriously. Yeah. Um, I hope they do. But the but the biggest complaint, the biggest thing is maybe they brought this up on the uh, on the teardown or on the broadcast on NBC again. I'm I'm, I'm had a busy weekend, so I can't quite remember yeah. where, where, where I heard this from. But, you know, even if you start doing changes now, it's already too late because they won't be implemented by the time Daytona rolls around. You'll have to be doing these implementations, yeah. you know, midway through the year next year. And so I just I don't know what the short term fix is. I mean, long term, there's got to be obviously you give NASCAR has a greater runway long term here. But like in the short term, I don't know what the issue is. Look, and we've how long we've been started doing this podcast this this particular episode we haven't really we haven't talked about the race or the playoffs we're just talking about yeah what nascar can do to make things yeah. better so so about the race like yeah about the, like, the league. <laughs> so what should they do with texas uh like i wrote a column at frenchrich.com this week um <laughs> with the, the, the headline put texas motor speedway out of its misery um which the, i I don't, Texas has put on, even before the repay in 2017, even before they recalibrated, reconfigured turns one and two, they, the reason they did that was because the racing wasn't, hadn't been good there for, for a long time. And they thought, thought okay, we're going to lower the turns one and two and keep three and four, four the same. That, that'll, that'll make good racing, right? If you, if you have to slow down and then speed up at the other end, didn't work. Then they threw Speedway Motorsports through its, you know, its favorite track fixing PJ1 solution at the turns. <laughs> Screwed up both NASCAR racing and IndyCar racing at the track. Yep, sure did. Um, and you know, I saw a couple of people respond to my my column on Twitter saying, "All they got to do is fix turns one and two and be fine." No, no, that that that's not gonna fix the solution of that. Nobody goes to Texas races. Nobody likes watching texas races um when was the only highlights you see of texas from the last 10 ish years are fights and wrecks (laughs) (laughs) no i mean yeah you're right 
you're right and and like you're uh and like you've said on this podcast before and like you say in your article um you've spoken with um an executive at a, at a team and they said that they can't get sponsors to go to texas yeah which is unbelievable to me because fourth largest metro area in the country yeah, so. <laughs> I, 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 I Googled the population of the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area. It's 6.5 million people. And to put that for comparison, that's the entire population of the state of Indiana, which is where I live. Like mm-hmm. the entire population of my state into that whole area. Um, yeah. It's obviously a market that NASCAR needs to be in. Like it's a, yeah. very, it's a very sports-friendly market. I mean, Dallas is one of the few cities in the country that has all four major sports teams, all four major sports represented there. Mm-hmm. with uh, the Cowboys, Mavericks, Stars, and I think uh, the Rangers as well. Yep. So, I mean, it's not the market. It's the product on track. Um, yeah. And it's and it's the track itself. And and I don't know. I know that <laughs> I know that uh, Bianchi on the teardown said that they should do like a Bristol-style track. Um, so here, how about this? I, th- I, I don't think no I don't one want, wants I don't, I don't, I don't want a Bristol clone. Like, I don't, let, I don't want a let, Bristol clone either. Let Bristol about, be Bristol. So how about, th- how about this? I don't think they should do another Atlanta repave because that would just no. be that would be overkill. Yes. Um, that would be overkill. I would say since California is going to a short track, why can't Texas reconfigure itself to be like Fontana? Because then you have brand new pavement on a super speedway like that. And then you're just gonna have one lane. You'd have the problem that if Auto Club just repaved. You'd, that's you'd true just, it'd be it'd be the same thing that's true absolutely the same thing um yeah and you have to wait for the asphalt to deteriorate and get gritty to allow for the kind of racing that they yeah. have you're right so like i mean that's the thing like uh, there, there kyle really Larson, is no... kyle Larson's suggestion was three quarter mile short track with progressive banking and i was like that's like that seems reasonable like sure. i mean don't make richmond please don't make richmond no 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 <laughs> no i i I, no, we don't need another Richmond either. But I mean, sure. I mean, Kyle Larson's a smart guy. He knows what makes for good tracks and what could make for good racing. Um, yeah, why not? But like, I mean, but there's what there's what Texas should do, and there's what Texas will do. Like, <laughs> like, like, given like you say in your column, Texas has been nitpicked to death. You know, yeah. making changes every so every few years to try and fix something, it just makes things worse. Um, I mean, the easy fix financially is just to make it another Atlanta because then you're just reconfiguring turns and you're doing a repave, which isn't, which is nowhere near the investment of, you know, completely reconfiguring this track from top to bottom, especially given the fact that, you know, it's got other facilities built around the track. Um, It's got, you know, structural limitations that way. So I don't know. I I, I really make a short track and then build a drag strip. (laughs) <laughs> oh wait oh wait, no no wait wait never mind i forgot there's already a drag strip in north texas never mind <laughs> so, i mean is there another short track elsewhere they could go to in that area no i mean i haven't i haven't googled so i wouldn't know no there, there's there's no like dead north wilkesboro in, in the vicinity that they could go to i mean what if you've like raced on the streets of dallas i don't May- think would that is have, you, the dallas have, you ever, the- have you ever been to dallas <laughs> uh i've only been to their airport it i i don't is it, is it that's, not friendly that, i don't think so okay I, the, 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 again, downtown, i'm just i'm just downtown indianapolis would, would be better for our street rates really oh yeah probably right but but, we, uh, they could, there's that fountain you know the circle 
you could they could yeah. race around that that'd be cool that would be cool and then <laughs> i mean honestly the distance from the speedway to the downtown is not very far you could probably actually <laughs> link in you could actually link in the, the actual motor speedway track to some sort of yes, circuit that it. goes downtown <laughs> are you listening roger penske oh speaking of of of, of the motor speedway um indycar put out their schedule and they're in town the same day that nascar's in town so i guess the doubleheader is still on is, yeah. is, is still on which for now is is good so yeah, but back to texas like what what well, that, that like i said i say in a column that track is a relic of a time where you could just throw the track anywhere in the country and nascar fans would flock to it no matter what no questions asked wouldn't blink an eye yeah with just minimum amenities all texas motor speedway has is big hoss and there's a taco restaurant in the the infield um that's 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 it (laughs) is the Um, name of is the name of the taco restaurant el big hoss no when i when i lived there and was covering races it was a fuzzy's taco and now it's something else it's a different taco chain never um torch is it torchies torches i don't know if if it it, it exists it's not here in indy so i wouldn't know but that's lame it's a chain so it's just it's a relic when it opened it had you know roughly 150,000 seats it has it has less than that now they've completely covered over the backstretch grandstands with ads it's i mean they they need to take down the strip down the the, the front stretch grandstands that the, the yes. ends have been empty for years like it's and they're just... well also i mean this year wasn't it like stifling hot this year wasn't yeah. it like almost 100 degrees or something like uh, that saturday's race was the hottest xfinity series race in texas yet in 25 years it was the hottest and it's like and it's almost october <laughs> like you know yeah. um damned climate change um but i mean yeah i i i i i don't know like and again it's it's hard to if you're nascar you can't just throw up the white flag because again this is a major market you have to be in this market yeah you can't you can't have your only texas race be coda that's just not going to fly um <laughs> I, I is there somewhere in houston you can go but i don't even know if houston's like a I, that's the thing you're right like it's just this track was built back when you could actually build tracks and that people would people would just show up i mean this it was built what 97 yeah it opened in 97 yeah i mean that's like that's like right it's like that's like i don't know what it's necessarily the golden age but certainly at the beginning no no, in 97 texas motor speedway and auto club they opened that they both opened that year like not not not, like there's a demarcation line in in nascar history and it's basically 97 97 was the start of the boom like really the boom like you could say 94 when nascar went to indy for the first time you could maybe point to that but for the sake of you know nascar and or actually actually would have been uh roger penske and speedway motorsports then them opening those two tracks that was really like here's nascar ready ready to embrace the big stage (laughs) And um and look auto auto clubs getting converted into a short track. Um uh are they doing it just because it's cheaper to do that than repave it? It's not cheaper to do that. I don't it's not cheaper, but it's or, just you don't want to like repave it and then sit for years waiting for the, the 
the track to come in. That's true. Also, and- I wonder if there's some sort of tax reason just because the amount of property you would need to operate a yeah, two mile track in california versus a short track i wonder I think, if... I think i think they're trying to sell off some of the land maybe. that makes sense that makes so... a lot of sense just because i can't imagine what they're paying on property taxes out there assuming they are uh, I don't they know. might they might have had a someone lobby a nice little uh bill for them out there to stop them from paying <laughs> property taxes so um but we can just we can talk and talk and talk and we can all wish and wish and wish but it just it just it feels like they're just gonna do another atlanta like my gut they're not, just, they're not gonna listen to, what you're saying is speedway motorsports is going to not listen to people again so. yeah well yeah. also because like i mean look i mean would it be would it be a bad choice long term to just do a carbon copy of Atlanta. Yes. In the short term, would it be better? Yeah, I think so too. I I don't like, I know Atlanta had one of its best crowds in like a decade uh, for the spring race. So, but I think that, I think the crowd kind of petered out with the second race. So it'll be very, wasn't that in like July or August when it was like stupid hot? Yeah. Um, I wonder if weather just played a, a part of it, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the crowd looks like for the first race next year. It's like, all right, right. Are they, are, is this kind of racing really what drives people? And if um, I'm a team owner, like seven or eight super speedway races is just like, that's making me look no, at my I, bottom I line. It, really I, said hard. I said, I said, I said, it's a financial black hole in the columns. Like this is the, the, the mantra, the people that, you know, that you've been beating the drum over these last few years is saving money, saving money. All right, we're going to give you potentially three more super speedway races if, if since Texas is only going to have one date next year. So it could, it, ugh, ugh, ugh. Uh, but I mean, they haven't announced any plans. So right as of right now, Texas is still going to be Texas for the foreseeable future. What if you just, I don't, I was gonna say if you just take off Texas and go back to Chicago land, but they're doing they're racing the Chicago street course. There's no that'd be redundant to move a, a race well, well, back to Chicago land. Well, Speedway Speedway Motorsports doesn't own Chicago. You you, you get you got to think of in terms of if you're that's that's right. Yeah, gotta, and I, I, I just do a double header at Iowa like IndyCar and call it a day. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I, like again, I I just. The, the best answers are the hardest answers. I'm sorry, the, the, the best choices are the hardest choices here. And the easiest choice is the worst choice, which leads me to think yeah. that that's what's going to happen. I really hope it doesn't um, for our sake and the driver's sake and everyone involved. Um, but like you said, I, I, I you just don't know. It's NASCAR is really in a rock and a hard place here because the market is one that you have to be in. But what other options do you currently have? You know? Yeah. Yeah, like so. I, I just like when when the the twenty twenty three schedule came out, I, I looked at it. I was just like, oh man, there's that. There's really not a bad stretch. There's that like, and then I got to Texas, like, ah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, this will be fun. Oh, there, yeah. and it's and like, look, it's like it's Texas, like, like that's like a that's a that the population of that state cannot stop growing and dallas is a, <laughs> dallas is a major area and like it's it's you know the way that the way that like 
we got excited the way that we get excited for like nashville is the way because like that that city just cannot stop building new properties for people to live in because that city's just <laughs> growing so fast that same energy is what we should have for texas and we just don't because the, because the racing's just not good and i uh, we're just beating a dead horse at this point but I, yeah it's just yeah. one of those things where you just have to wait and see but i just like, my my gut tells me the worst choice is going to get made like i mean like i like, like i said in a column i'm from texas the 1997 inaugural Texas race was my first NASCAR race. I have a soft soft spot for that track, but it, it needs to be raised to the ground and start over. <laughs> like it's so, so, something that's appropriate for the, the time we're living in. It's not 1997 anymore. Yeah. Stop stop pretending it is, and stop expecting that fans are just going to magically show back up again because they're, and, they're they're not. And you know, get some driver input, please. Yeah. More than one driver. Like yes. they, they they only consulted Kurt Bush about Atlanta. So <laughs> that was, the, that was the, the only person they asked about it. And then they, they went ahead with <laughs> like do they just like draw a name out of a hat? Like who's it gonna be? <laughs> like, oh look, it's Garrett Smithley. Come here, Garrett. What are your thoughts on Atlanta? Like, I think that we should uh put in put in a road course copy the roval like, all right garrett let's do it you know <laughs> like why kurt bush of all people you know i just like well, not he, to say he, that like well he's, I, he's, a, he's a racer race he's a racer's racer so like, yeah i get I'm, that yeah so, I, just, I just it's just funnier to me it's like landing castle what do you want fontana to look like <laughs> <laughs> i wish <laughs> oh i wish this was like a reality show where you just like pull a random driver to like reconfigure a track and they have to like race a simulated version of it to see how silly it is oh man that was... <laughs> josh balicki you get to re- you get to redo richmond no 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 it's like just it's deal or do- near uh deal or no deal you, you, yeah you, ha- you have a bunch of drivers up on a stage in their fire suits, <laughs> holding briefcases with numbers on it, and you have Mark Marcus Smith. He, he's the contestant, and he's having he's he's having to pick cases, and we're whittling down options. And then the cases are the tracks that they have to reconfigure. <laughs> or oh. it, no, it's the different plan. It's different there you plans go. for the track. All right, <laughs> and, you, and, and, and you got the, and you, you remember like there's the the secret the. Oh, what was like the, the dealer or whatever? Dealer, yeah, there was the, a dealer. The guy, the, the, the shadowy, the person in the shadows in a glass booth. And I, I don't know who that should be. <laughs> dealer, but, but... <laughs> no, Landon Castle. Uh... Or like, or like the guy that did the voice of Dale from King, uh, from King of the Hill. Not Dale, uh, Boomhauer from King of the Hill. He's <laughs> like, we've got a dealer. Oh, bang on man, tell you what, crap job man, tickle back his last man, tell you what, man, bang on man, like you know. <laughs> But yeah, Marcus Smith is like he's just whittling down drivers, trying to get, trying to get that the, the, the just the right plan for a track. It, <laughs> like get, gets down to the final case. Oh, who, who's hosting this? If Marcus Smith is is the contestant, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the dealer. Who's hosting this? Oh gosh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, like what other like good NASCAR personality is there? <laughs> we should just get someone super random like Christopher Walken. Like just get Christopher Walken to host this. <laughs> Eric Jones, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, <laughs> I'm 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 just holding the case. Chloe, 
<laughs> I would watch this. We just came up with the best idea that NASCAR has ever had. All right, Marcus. I can't do. I can't do Christopher Walken. Um, final case. You you come down to two cases and what whichever one you open, that's it. That's when you get. All right. All right, Christopher. I'm 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 now Marcus Smith. I'm gonna take case number six, which is being held by Kyle Bush. All right, Mr. Bush, open the case. <laughs> Mr. Bush, open the case. You got. <laughs> A figure eight dirt track. <laughs> you get to convert Texas into a figure eight dirt track with a bridge. Now, can, can like Fox get like, can can Fox get uh, Christopher Walken to be like a guest, like in like the booth for Daytona next year? Like just hearing him try to say these names. Daniel Suarez. Ooh, you know. Oh, just... so, okay. So speak, okay, speaking of Daniel Suarez, did you see the things I texted you? that Jenna Fryer tweeted about some gambling.com or something like that. Yeah. Did, did like, did a measurement of tweets and um, deter- determining uh, which NASCAR cup drivers um, get the most positive tweets versus uh, the most negative. Yes. And um, I got to bring this up. Uh, and so the number one NASCAR driver with positive sentiment in their tweets is Mr. Daniel Suarez at 44.7%. Good for him. I don't know. I want to know like how scientific this is, like where these numbers come from, just because like, obviously Chase Elliott's the most popular driver and he's not on either of these lists, good or bad. Because he's boring. Like, do they just cancel each other out? Like he's too He's too lukewarm. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, you would not say that, you know, like if I was going to go out and like party with a NASCAR driver, it wouldn't be Chase Elliott just because the personality's not there. Um, but like, you know, I mean, you look at like, like what's Austin Cindric's personality, you know, like, like he seems Star like, Wars man, like he seems like a cool dude. Like, yeah, that's Star Wars is something you like. That's not like a personality trait. Oh, I beg to differ. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I said that to the wrong person. Um, but then like, I'm trying to think. So here's the top 10. Suarez, Cindric, Larson, Harvick, oddly enough. Uh, Bowman, Blaney, Truex, Logano, Briscoe, and... Wait, no, Harvick's on both, wasn't he? I thought he was on Harvick. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Okay. No, so, yeah. he's not. No, oh, he's not. Harvick, okay, like, yeah, Harvick. Like, yeah, no, it, it, it's generally cool to see, though, because, like, I think Daniel Suarez is a cool guy. I've never heard, been to a... Uh, I've never heard anyone say anything anti-Suarez. I, except when, for I, when I went to the race at Gateway this year, we were walking out of the track and this middle-aged, firmly middle-aged white dude, you know, just I off to my right. I hear him say, I'm just glad Daniel Suarez didn't win. I was like, what? <laughs> like, like, why? Well, I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> middle-aged white dude. Uh, <laughs> I mean, man, I mean, I, I hate to... Of- yeah, I mean, I hate to, you know, color in the it- lines there, but yeah, I mean... But yeah, it just took me complete. I was flabbergasted. I was like, "You, I've never heard anyone 
say something negative about Daniel Suarez. No, me like, neither. Ever. Like, I mean, like I think it Ryan took... Newman did once when they had that feud in 2018 or whatever year. He was driving I don't even remember house. that. So I don't, like. Yeah, Newman. Newman went on the radio and said, "Yeah, he's never won anything wherever he's been." It's like he was a Xfinity Series champion, dude. What are you talking about? Um, you didn't even do that, Newman. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> Like, like my mom loves Daniel Suarez. Like that is her dude. Uh, granted, I think she just has a thing for foreign men with Hispanic accents uh, because like when- I mean, who doesn't? I mean, when Al- <laughs> true, true. Uh, but like when Alonzo raced the 500, like she was all on the front, on the Alonzo train. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe she just likes, uh, you know, guys under six foot tall who are from his, uh, Spanish speaking countries. Um, I'm honestly surprised that Joey Logano's number eight. I actually would have expected Joey Logano to be on the other list. Of the yeah, I'd expect Logano to be on the. Yeah, I'd expect him to be on that list too, given anything that's gone on this year. Um, speaking of most hated, I mean, we know why Bubba Wallace is number one. There, yeah, with third by a lot, 30.1 percent. Thirty Number two is Cody Ware at eighteen point nine. Is that because that was the guy who he he had the Trump card in 2020, right? I no, that was, Corey, that, that was Corey LaJoy. I'm saying Cody. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, I got that wrong. Is Corey LaJoy on here? No, he's not on either list. Okay. No, no, Co- no I, I, you could write that up as being Cody Ware. He, he's the backmarker guy driving for his dad. The only time you ever hear about him is when he wrecks. Yes. Um, it he, He's just kind of like, I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage Cody Ware here. Or, no, or, I'm not. Or anything. Like he, but he's just, he's. Like I said, you only hear about him when something bad's happening, and it's pretty frequently. <laughs> well, that's what that's what happens when you're a backmarker. If you're a backmarker, no one talks about you. That's a good thing, you know. So, um, both Dylan brothers are on here. Although I think it's odd that Ty is ranked higher than Austin. Ty Dylan's a good guy. So, yeah, I have no problem with Ty um, Dylan. Denny Hamlin being so low. I mean, it's, it's oh no, that no, I you, you could chalk that up to him being the owner of a Wallace. You could. It, it is like yeah. I, I I remember Denny Hamlin saying at some point I think in the last year or so. All the all the crappy tweets he'll get because he owns Bubble Walls, but his car. Um, <laughs> Imagine being that mad about something. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just. Anyways, um, what I thought was most shocking, and I and I'm personally offended by this on the most hated drivers list, number eight, Jacques Villeneuve. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that. I don't get why that is, at all. Why is Jacques Villeneuve on here? One, he's only raced in like a handful of nascar races he's only, yeah. he's only done one this year and that was the 500 um yeah i wonder if it's because i mean back when he was racing formula one like he and michael schumacher had a huge rivalry um and he was on the short end of the stick on that one um i love jacques Villeneuve. that dude's the man i would love to see jacques Villeneuve try and race nascar full time um or at least do all the road courses i would love to see him do project 91 next year mm. um yeah why not yeah, Jack Villeneuve is the homie. I I take personal offense to that, especially over Kyle Busch. More people hate Kyle hate Jack Villeneuve than Kyle Busch. Give me a break. Yeah, this list is broke. Yeah, like okay, percentage of Twitter posts made which were deemed negative between February first and August thirty first. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Kyle Busch isn't as high because he's not in like the the, the Xfinity series winning every race anymore. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, but that's he, just only has one, he only has what he only has one win this year. I don't know. So, but no, it's it's yeah, weird, very weird. But yeah, uh, but yeah, Daniel Suarez number one, Austin Cedric number two, Kyle Larson three. So yeah, yeah, Lug- yeah of the top ten, uh, yeah, Logano's really the only one that surprised me. Um, Briscoe surprised me just by getting 
that many but like he's he seems like a chill dude and like yeah. i could see why i could see why a lot of people would be, would be drawn to him he's so, definitely I mean, a, he's definitely i'll get a beer with him yeah i would yeah um, i would yeah oh yeah well especially like even when he was in xfinity like i knew nothing about him in xfinity when he first started racing but i knew he's from indiana it's like oh sure he's from indiana not named ed carpenter yes i will cheer for him so and alex bowman being number five like he's he's such a likable guy like there's I saw a ton of young people my age and younger wearing Bowman stuff at Indy this year when I was there. A ton of Bowman stuff. Such, such a, he's got a a sneaky sense of humor. I think I've mentioned it on here before. He's this generation's Matt Kenseth when it comes to humor. Yeah. It it sneaks up on you. He's like, oh, like, did you see his his tweets with Jimmy Johnson yesterday? No. About, oh, like, well, uh, Johnson was out. He he tested out Bowman's sprint car yesterday on, on 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 a dirt track. And so, they played off the bit that you know this, this ongoing thing we've had this year with with driver uh teams announcing drivers are going to race for them without telling the drivers <laughs> um, and, and and bowman like took a took a picture of bone of johnson sitting in his sprint car saying i uh, i'm Without Jimmy Johnson's permission, I am announcing that he's going to race full time in sprint cars <laughs> drive for me in 2022. And then a few minutes later, like Johnson replied saying, "It has come to my attention that without my knowledge, Alex Bowman announced that I was race for him. This is not true." <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of Johnson, um, he announced he's not going to do IndyCar full time anymore, yep. which I figured was going to be the uh, the move given. Once you saw how well he done the ovals this year and how much he continued to struggle on road courses, I was like, yeah. it seems like the writing's on the wall here. Um, but so he I don't know to, who's... He wants to do the double, man. I Yes, do it. He and wants to might... do, like, like, here's the thing. Jimmy Johnson wants, is interested in doing the double. Kyle Larson specifically had it... Not Kyle Larson. Kyle Busch specifically had it put in his contract with RCR that he could do the Indy 500. And now Errol McLaren is in serious conversations about fielding a fourth entry for Kyle Busch in the Indy 500. If we, oh my, oh, I'm, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. A year, if, if we got a race where Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Busch, and Kyle Larson all did the, du- the double in one year. Yeah. Holy crap, that would be amazing. Yeah, that'd be incredible. And especially like, like, like say like a Formula One driver shows up too. Like, Oh my gosh. Like I don't I expect I don't expect a Formula One driver to show up because they've moved Monaco back to the actual day of the 500. But um but just just even just those slate of drivers, just Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Bush, and Kyle Larson. Yeah. Do both doing the double? Yeah. Like who... And you, you you could make it into its own competition. Like you yeah. could have like an like I don't come up with an award. Like who whoever has like the best average finish between the two races or just get gets i don't i don't know gets a trophy i don't know i don't yeah, bring know. in some sort of sponsor to present some sort of like ward or prize or prize money that way both drivers have all drivers or all parties involved have some sort of have just a little bit more to to, to brag about than just you know bragging rights maybe yeah. oh man and we, we haven't had any anyone do the double since kurt bush in 2014 i'm pretty sure this is the wait no wait so before bush was Tony Stewart the last one who did it? The last one I who tried. I think it was either him or Robbie Gordon. Yeah. So that's and that was like early two thousands. So yeah. we're, so we're so that was the longest between attempts. So, but it's it's still it's been a while. Um, yeah, almost I, it'll be nine years next year. So. Oh, oh my. Ugh. Yeah, because Kurt Bush <laughs> was in Kurt Bush was twenty fourteen. So yeah. Um, I just 
yeah, why not? And I'm so glad that Kyle Busch got that in his contract. Um, and look, Aero McLaren, for those that don't necessarily follow IndyCar very well, I mean, that's a top-tier team. And uh, Pato Award is on that team. They're going to have Alexander Rossi next year, who's won the race before. Um, they always show really well uh, at that at that racetrack. And I think Juan Pablo Montoya might be with them next year still, who's won that race twice. So that's a good, that's a very, very, very good IndyCar team. Uh, that's not going to be... Um, you know, Kyle Busch is not going to, uh, you know, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't go to some um, underfunded team just for the sake of doing it. Yeah. If he's going to do it, he's going to do it to win. McLaren, Aaron McLaren is definitely going to give him the resources, excuse me, the resources to do that. So, and I assume if Jimmy Johnson does it, he's still going to be a Chip Ganassi. Um, and if Kyle Larson did it, who knows what he would do, but um, I assume he would drive a Honda. Uh, I don't know, but no, he would drive a Chevy. He drives Chevy. Excuse me. He drives a Chevy. So yeah, he would just drive a Chevy. So I don't know who he would join, but yeah, I'm all, yeah. The more the merrier. I think that would be incredible to watch. The, the TV partners, the sanctioned bodies just all need to get on the same page. I know Nate Brown of the Indy star. I think he did a story, uh, within the last few days about like, should the start time of the Indy 500 be moved back or back forward? moved up in order to better accommodate the double i'm like yes yeah start these races in the best possible situations to make this situation happen yeah um i agree and then also on the nascar side of things start the driver's meeting later because if you miss well, the driver's no, meeting there's no, there's no driver's meeting anymore <laughs> oh yeah it's true yeah ever since covid ever since covid i totally forgot so yeah like yeah everyone wins nascar indycar race fans charlotte area the indianapolis area everyone wins tv sponsors everyone wins it's a win-win um like you said it's just, if it's just a matter of some logistics and some contracts just get in the room over the off season and make it work like there's 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 nothing losing everything to gain especially getting like all three of those guys if i were to wager it seems like johnson's gonna happen it seems like kyle bush is gonna happen Kyle Larson TBD, but even just those two, I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing to me that Kyle Larson is like tiptoeing around it. Like he keeps saying, yeah, I wouldn't do it. Like, come well, on. Will, like, Hendrick, like, will Hendrick let him? I think. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't said no, he's not. Um, I, it, I think it's just more of a matter that Kyle wants to be ready to do it or whatever. I was like, all right, true. You, you got your cup title. All right, man. You, you need to do it. Uh, do it. <laughs> it it would it would genuinely be incredible to watch and look and if they if any any nascar driver that comes to indycar for the 500 i would gladly cheer for them to win i was genuinely cheering for jimmy johnson to win that race like obviously pageant is my guy i'm cheering for him number one but like if jimmy johnson won that race i'd have been so happy like that'd have been really cool what a story um yeah so but anyways uh enough of that so but like like i i full full honesty full disclosure i've never liked kyle bush as, as a fan like just as a kid growing up didn't like him hated him the second he steps in that indie car go kyle bush i will i will scream my head off the same thing with jimmy johnson never liked him thought he was boring he's proven me wrong he's actually <laughs> like he, he 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 was in his shell for pretty much almost his entire cup career yes it wasn't until like the late stages that he kind of like started showing what his personality was like but also i just like i hated that he won all the time all the time oh my all god. the time oh my god but no like but as soon as i found out that, that johnson was going to be in an indy car i was like go jimmy 
Like, yeah. uh, like I got a, I got a Jimmy Johnson IndyCar diecast. Like, I went out of my way to get it. Like, because I thought that was freaking cool. <laughs> do you do, do you have the Dale Earnhardt Jr. IndyCar diecast? Uh, my fr- my friend Corey, who, who you know we went to school with up at Indiana. Yeah. He, oh yeah. He, yeah. He mailed me. He mailed it to me. It's like, oh my gosh. That- That's really cool. So yeah, I do. I do have his iRacing Indy card. That's, That's really cool. <laughs> they actually sell like the big one too, and I, I see it every now and then. And I'm like, mm, do I or do I not? I'll probably regret it one but one day when I don't. It's, but it's just the weirdest diecast because so many different things had to happen for this diecast to exist. <laughs> yes, first, yes. first, internet international pandemic, worse than a hundred years, shut sports shut down. Everyone migrates to iRacing for two months. <laughs> and then Dale Earnhardt Jr. takes part in an IndyCar iRacing race. And I, th- I think, what, he finished in the top five, I think. Yeah, and he was actually sponsored by Nation, which was like, <laughs> just, yeah, that man, that whole, there's going to be a 30 for 30 made on all that, and it's going to be a fever dream to rewatch. And like when you say it, when you, you know, that, that, that happened two and a half years ago and it feels like it happened like yesterday, but anyways, um, speaking of, we've been throwing around a lot of numbers here. Oh, Uh, there was, there was a documentary made like that came out last year about 2020 sports and all the COVID stuff. I remember watching the trailer. NASCAR wasn't even included in it. Like the, the sport that was the first one back. Yep. Wasn't even included. It was like. So we're already whitewashing there. Not whitewashing. What's the, what's the word? To not like, just lying, <laughs> just, misremembering. Yeah, it it, it, t- it ticked me off. It ticked me off. It's like, anyway, as you go, go, go on, John. As you were. So. Uh, we we've been throwing around a lot of numbers here today. Um, I think it's time to get into some real numbers that matter, and that's the Rotten Tomatoes Chef Gluck poll. All right. Let's do this. So, so uh, the the run the Jeff Gluck good good race poll for Texas was was the incredible score of thirteen percent. <laughs> um, uh, hey, it was higher than the All Star race by two percent. Um, there you go, by two percent. Um, so, so yeah. <laughs> Thirteen percent. So yeah, let's do this. It's been a few weeks since we've done this, so bring bring it on. We, were, we we are tied at six to six, um, and this is our first playoff one that we've done. The last one we did was for Daytona. So I'll go first. Um, you know, like I like I said, as people who are regular listeners of your podcast know, I'm from Indiana. I'm a proud Hoosier, and I got to represent for other Hoosiers. Um, and a movie was made featuring one of our most famous uh, citizens. Uh, this movie came out in 2004. And I've never seen it all the way through, but I've seen enough to know it's not a very good movie. 2004. Um, but uh, the only citizen, time... I, a, a citizen of Indiana. Yeah, came out in 2004. Um, and I oh, first, whole... first, I, first, I want to guess the movie. Give me some clues. Give me some clues. Indian um, native, 2004. Hmm. He's a he's a couch potato. Very like in, in the movie, or that's his real life persona. He's a, he's a couch potato. Um, kind of a laid back personality, but also you know, kind of an ass sometimes, depending on what's going on. Jack Black. 
Uh, no, he's from he's he's from California. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but this movie came out in 2004. I have not seen all of it. I've seen most of it, and okay. I've seen the parts I've seen are not good. And the, when I saw this movie, I saw it at a veterinarian's office because because this movie is about a cat, a very famous cat. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> a very a very famous cat from Indiana. Uh, his name is Garfield. <laughs> Jim Davis, the uh, oh, illustrator. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Jim Davis. Jim Davis, the illustrator for Cart for Garfield's from Muncie. So, huh? I, th- okay. I think he still. I think he still resides there. So yeah, Garfield. I went to a Texas road. There's a Texas roadhouse not too far from where I live, and part of the local art installation is a mural of Jeff Gordon and Garfield. <laughs> Wait, where is this? It's at a Texas roadhouse in Avon, Indiana. There is a mural in the back of the restaurant that has Jeff Gordon on the Rainbow Warrior car and Garfield. Can you please go there and take a picture of this? I'm pretty sure I've sent, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've taken a picture and I've sent it uh, to other people. I will see if I can find it and send it to you. I, I'm not making this Is up. there any correlation? Between, they're just there? It's like, they're hey, just, we're going to Jeff Gordon <laughs> Yeah, because they're both from oh, Indiana. Jeff, oh, wait, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I know he's from yeah, California, yeah. but he grew up in the Indiana area. Okay, so okay, He grew up, he grew right. up around, he yes. grew up in Pittsburgh, which isn't too far from Avon, so. That, that's brain, brain uh, part, Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna look through my phone and try and try and find it, but it's 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 it brought a genuine tear to my eye. It was it was it was incredible to see. Um, but yes, Garfield, the 2004 classic, uh, wherein Garfield is voiced by Bill Murray, also stars Jennifer Love Hewitt, Nick Cannon, Alan Cumming, and Brecken Meyer. Better or worse than the 13% Texas race? Well, I'd rather watch Garfield again. <laughs> dude i found it yes yes okay it's got odie i've got it's got garfield and odie um i couldn't get garfield in the picture but i have odie i'm gonna send this to you right now we're we're about to go on like a 10 minute tangent on how on the 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 decline of in quality of garfield (laughs) i just texted it to you oh man have fun um yeah garfield and this movie was so bad but it still got a sequel a tale of two kitties yep (laughs) that are you looking at it isn't it great? <laughs> so, where's, so, so not Garfield, just Odie. No, Garfield's on the other side of the car. I just didn't get a picture of Garfield. Oh. It's Garfield and Odie, like in Victory Lane with Jeff Gordon. Gordon's Jeff wearing Gordon, oh Texas. I was like, why is he wearing a Texas hat? Oh yeah, Texas. Yeah, Roadhouse. it's a Texas Roadhouse. He's wearing the the Texas Roadhouse hat. It, this is yeah, it's a small there's, layers, there's layers. There's layers. There's layers. There's layers. <laughs> All right, um, Garfield, so, okay, higher or right. lower than 13? Higher. This is the Garfield movie, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll commit higher, higher. You are correct, sir. Ah! Oh, you faked me out, Mr. Regis, Regis Philbin. It has uh, a 15%. Damn. Okay. A fifth, a fifth and the the audience score is 38 i want to see oh. how much money this movie made real quick i want to see how badly this bombed i obviously didn't bomb that much or else it, it would got have a gotten sequel. a sequel yeah <laughs> hang on here i want to see so the budget for this movie was 50 million the box office was 200 million dollars what oh my god yeah that movie the garfield movie made 200 million dollars well, i'm actually shocked at the 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 
the budget. <laughs> like, I wonder how much of that was simply uh, Bill Murray's salary. <laughs> and oh yeah, yeah, the sequel cost sixty million and made one hundred and forty-three million. So the Garfield movies made three hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> what are we doing wrong, anyways? Um, well, that was that was early two thousands box office economics. All right, it's it's true. <laughs> It's true. It was a different time. It was it was a different time. <laughs> we didn't know better. What have we done? Um, my turn. Grill me. Give me your right. worst. So th- this this is this is themed, but it's not tied to any of the races because sometimes I pick movies that are like based in the state where the NASCAR just raced. But... I should have chosen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Damn oh. it. Oh well. <laughs> anyway, so in current events, John, I don't know if you saw, but but NASA uh, had had a little fun this week. Yes, they, they they intentionally crashed a satellite into an asteroid the size of a football stadium in order to figure out whether that it would be possible to do that to keep an asteroid from potentially hitting Earth. So you know, Which, that's- you know, it's helpful. So, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. Science. We can we can we can change. We can literally alter the rotation and orbit of things in space, but we cannot figure out a way to make Texas a good race. (laughs) NASA, get on it. (laughs) It's like, it's like we can put a man on the moon, but we can't make a quiet vacuum cleaner. You know, like what, like like, NASA can just solve all of our problems. NASA, get on it. That's the name of your episode. That's the name of your episode, by the way. NASA, get on it. NASA, get on it. Anyways. What does NASA think about Texas? Um, so, anyway, yes. So, uh, a lot of comparisons were made from this little experiment that, you know, to a movie that came out in 1998 that's often confused with another movie that came on at the same time called Deep Impact. But the movie I've chosen is not Deep Impact. It is the Bruce Willis movie, action movie, also starring Ben Affleck. <laughs> um, Armageddon, directed by Michael Bay and written by J.J. Abrams. Did you know that? Did you know that J.J. No, Abrams I didn't know J. J. was a, was a co-writer Armageddon. on Armageddon? <laughs> I had no clue. Armageddon, oh, my God. So, this... is famously known for its theme song by Aerosmith. I don't want to close my, I don't want to miss a thing. That was the only number one hit Aerosmith ever had. What? Mm-hmm. You're kidding. No, that was the only number one hit they ever had. And they didn't even write that song. Normally, normally they always wrote their own material. But uh, I forget, it was a woman who wrote that song. And she's written a ton of other, like, ballads. Like, that was, like, her thing was writing very, like, epic ballads. Um, she wrote that song. They took it to Aerosmith. And they recorded it. It went number one. That's the only song Aerosmith ever had that went number one. And they didn't wow. write it. Yeah, the, the 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 Armageddon song. <laughs> well, it, it it is, it it is a departure from what you know you associate with Aerosmith. Yes, it, it is. Really... No, it absolutely is. I mean, like, no, I, I've seen that song played at weddings more than once, and like, there's not a single other Aerosmith song that's going to get played at a wedding. It was written by oh, what's her name, Diane Warren. That's her name, Diane Warren. Let's just here's just some of the things that she. Here's some of the songs that she's written. Um, uh, just she's written songs for 
I don't want to miss oh, a thing except because be, because you loved me by Celine Dion. She wrote "Blame It on the Rain" by Millie Vanilli. Um, wow. She wrote, she wrote "But I Do Love You" by Leanne Rhymes. Uh, that's a that's a spectrum. Can't fight the moonlight, Leanne Rhymes. She wrote "Can't Take That Away" by Mariah Carey. Uh, she wrote some songs for Chicago, TLC, Lionel Richie. Uh, Whitney Houston, <laughs> Meatloaf, Olivia Newton-John, uh, Aerosmith, Devil's Got It. So she's written other songs for Aerosmith. This one's called Devil's Got a New Disguise. Don't know. Um, she wrote a song for Cher. She wrote a song uh, for Shaka Khan. She wrote a song for No Mercy, a Christian band. Like, yeah, just Ace of Bass. It just, she's yeah, wow. one, one of the more prolific songwriters. She's written for Beyonce as well. But yeah, uh, Diane Warren is her name. And she wrote that song and it was Aerosmith's only number one hit. Today I learned. That's <laughs> me too. JJ Abrams, huh? No wonder. Um, that's that movie is really bad. Um, it's fun. It, it is, is a, fun. It that, that is it. No, I I would glad I will gladly watch Armageddon again. Like that's that is a Sunday afternoon. Turn on TNT, watch Armageddon. Would you rather watch Armageddon or Independence Day? Ooh, Independence Day. Yeah, me too. Like that. Oh, that's such a like. Oh man. Okay, tangent time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like that. Like that movie, Independence Day, came out in this sweet spot of where you were movies were were shifting from practical effects and starting to really embrace cgi the cgi is still kind of rough but it's still cool um and believable to to degree uh like the shot of like the flying saucer hovering over new york like oh my god yep like like i mean that still looks good today The, Um, the the scene of the white house getting blown up it will always be iconic oh yeah oh yeah absolutely um, now that movie, it it has aged, but it is timeless. Yeah, like it's, I I I I love that movie. Then they made a sequel, and the only two people in the movie who who realized what movie they were making were Brent Spiner and Jeff Goldblum. Nobody, <laughs> nobody else realized what movie they were making. I I never saw the sequel because I heard Good. it was terrible. Because I, I heard it was terrible. Um, but no, the first one. It's definitely aged, but it, it's 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 it is timeless. And Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum just what a great what a great '90s duo. They just crush it. Uh, that move, their chemistry is it's so a great. Good it's movie. a great odd couple. It, it is a yes. It's it, it's like Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. That pairing shouldn't work. It should <laughs> it, not work. Works. It, uh, uh, yep. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, so yeah, I, I, I would pick Independence Day over Armageddon. But Armageddon's a good time. It's got it's funny got a great ensemble cast got an earworm of a, of a theme song uh, though okay so I, I did watch so last year i did this whole thing where i just watched a lot of 80s and 90s like action movies that i hadn't hadn't watched before because you know hey i was unemployed i had a lot of time <laughs> so right, hey yeah. so let, let's fill in some blanks let's fill in some blanks so um well, I, I had watched Armageddon before, but so I revisited it. And so, but then I also watched Deep Impact. Um, and there was very one like big difference between those two movies. It's like <laughs> Armageddon, uh, like goes out of its way to just blow up foreign countries and cities, just like wipe them off the face of the planet. 
we're, we're and just not even like address it afterwards we're deep impact really like kind of like you <laughs> didn't do that like you you saw all the problems and there was like treated with like empathy and respect to a degree or whatever Armageddon didn't do that we're just gonna blow up Paris and not talk about it again <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's Michael Bay yeah no yeah no explode things exist to be exploded for no other reason than to be exploded um i just did you see moonfall came out earlier this year no i didn't (laughs) oh no dude dude please watch that movie it is so bad um there's so many stupid things that happen in in that movie but it's so fun to make fun of um please but I, i couldn't stop making fun of that movie after i watched it just Rent it on YouTube, watch it, and we'll have all kinds of fun. Just, oh, the movie's, movie is so dumb, it's great. Um, That's a anyway. movie that looks like it should have been made in 1987. <laughs> like... Oh, it, it definitely does. I think it was made by the same guy that made... Uh, Independence Day. Independence Day, I think it is. It's so bad. He, took, so he bad. took the wrong lessons for Independence Day. Took the absolute wrong lessons. He did. Just, sometimes, uh, that, sometimes that happens. Like, Michael Jackson took the worst lessons from Thriller. Um... So anyway, Arm. yeah, which which is higher, John? Uh, the Jeff Gluck racing poll for Texas, <laughs> Texas or the Rotten Tomatoes score for Michael Bay's 1998 Armageddon? Like Armageddon isn't good, but like you said, it's fun. And like, it's got some cultural cachet to it. Yeah. Um, Th- this is, I don't know if like, it's peak Bruce Willis. Um, but it's, it's certainly one of his better roles it's for close. sure. Like this movie definitely has some culture cachet, despite not being like a good movie, capital G, but it's still a fun movie, lowercase f. I, I don't think it's that. That's got to be higher than thirteen. It's, I'd be shocked if it's that low. I I would wager this is probably somewhere in like the low forties. Close. It's thirty-seven uh, percent. Wow, it's got thirty. It's that low. Yeah. Damn. The audience score is seventy-three percent. Yeah, there you go. That's one of those things where just the critics and the audience are completely divided. Uh, everyone is everyone is on the same boat as, as hating Garfield, though. Poor poor guy. So we're tied seven to seven after all this time. Yeah. I mean, our our, our little I gave you an e- to- I, that's, I gave you kind of an easy one. Our, li- like- our, our little Rotten Tomatoes thing here is more competitive, or at least more interesting than like the 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 playoff races have been. So yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're th- we're through through four playoff races, and no one who's won a playoff, no one who's Currently in the playoffs has won yet. You've had Eric Jones at Darlington, Bubba Wallace at Kansas, um, Chris Bush at Bristol, at Bristol, snapping a 222 race winless streak. Roush Fenway's first win since 2017. It's first non super speedway oval win since 2014 with Carl Edwards. So, gosh, it, it's and then you know a week later, Brad Kozlowski go, goes out and gets the pole, and this is the first time since 2013 that rfk has had multiple polls in the season um so rfk is kind of like slowly like chipping away at stuff which is yeah. it's really really nice to see especially with roush like because at one point they were the winningest like team in nascar history across all three series and then i believe joe gibbs racing passed them a while back so okay and then, and then, and then Rick Hendrick was like, "LOL." Um, <laughs> so, coming into Talladega, the four drivers below the cutoff line are Bowman, Bell, Byron, Cindric. Byron just got penalized today for his 
um yeah so antics so, with denny hamlin so okay so let, let's talk about that so we're, we're we're okay so i had the, i had the penalty right up where was that he lost like 25 points okay. was fine 50 grand yeah, right yeah By- byron was yeah fine 20 25 points he goes from he was fourth i think he was fourth and yeah now he is 10th uh eight points below the cut line uh he joins austin Cindric, christopher bell and alex bowman below and christopher bell he was on he was on a hot streak People were saying, "Oh, is he a is he a favorite?" And then he has two tire problems and wrecks. Yeah, <laughs> Texas. So I ne- I didn't buy into the Bell hype. I I didn't. I don't. He's not. He doesn't do enough for me. I to, mean, to with think the way to make a run, with the way the season's gone, though, it, a run is like three or four races. <laughs> and honestly, you know, we could very well be facing a scenario where. Ryan Blaney wins the championship, but the only race he wins is Phoenix. Hell, he, he might he even, doesn't even have to win Phoenix. He doesn't have to win Phoenix. He could he could come in second and win the championship. So okay, oh all right. So remember, I I picked Blaney to go all the way before you did. I I, th- I said he's going to go on a Tony Tony Stewart in 2011 run. So far, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But he could do a Ryan Newman in 2014. Newman came within one restart. Could, could have won the whole thing without winning anything um so he's still yeah blaney's fourth he's fourth right yep. now mm-hmm. 22 points above and he's going to taldega where he's good where he's yep. won and then after that's the roval where he won granted it was a, a fluke ending for him but still like who knows the, the, the roval can be one of those fluky tracks anything can happen uh so th- this this whole round is just crazy really when you look at it yes um who like but like right now like is there a championship favorite john like is, is anybody someone you could point to is like i think he's he, he he's got a good shot or is it as <laughs> as boring as it is to say like say logano I, as boring as it is to say i would say logano here i'll pull up his stats real quick to see what he's done the last couple of races it just seems like he's just been a model of consistency. Well, he, he, was as second. Of late. he was second in Texas. He was second in Texas. Here's his last few races here. Okay. So <coughs> here's here's all of his finishes since Indy. So at Indy, he came in sixth, fourth at Michigan, sixth at Richmond, wow. third at the third at the Glen, twelfth at the twelfth at Daytona, fourth at Darlington, uh 17th at Kansas, 27th at Bristol, but then second at Texas. I mean, he's just been rattling off top tens and top fives except for except for kansas and, and except, for, um, except for kansas and bristol and like day yeah. 12th of daytona but like that's he's that was the two. that was the well, rain race so um like he's been he's been running really well lately he's second in playoff points he has 25 25 to chase elliott's 40 22 and yeah. 226 stage points he's tied with blaney they have the same amount um, yeah, he's he's had a he's he's sneakily had a pretty strong season. Although I think um he's got what three three wins this year? Two? Two. Two. Uh uh blah uh um, Darlington and Gateway. Yeah, Darlington yeah. Gateway. Um so I it did not occur to me until the day later that basically the whole William Byron Denny Hamlin thing was just a cop almost a copy of what happened between Byron and, and Logano at Darlington, except uh Le- it was under uh, one was under green one was under yellow yeah, yeah. so the, and he's byron said like in his post race 
interviews like you know i see other people do this and <coughs> it, it's no big deal or whatever it's like oh yeah you were part of that um I, he, he's mentioning it without without saying it so um so what what, what what where do you stand on the whole william byron spinning denny hamlin under caution he says it wasn't on purpose but i mean come on yeah, I think he intended to wreck. I think he intended to bump him and give him a message of saying, "Hey, I don't appreciate what you did." Um, whether or not he intended to, to spin him or not, I mean, who knows? Um, I think that I think that Byron overreacted a little bit. To me, it didn't seem like what what Denny did was intentional. It just seemed like hard racing, just two playoff drivers mm-hmm. going for position. Um, but on the flip side, the, the weirdest thing to me was the fact that NASCAR wasn't aware of this until the race went back to green. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you that, not aware of it? Like, that was all that the broadcast that, was like, talking about. To a thing happening on the front stretch. Like, yeah. right, right under race control's nose. Like, that, that's... Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and I know that, you know, NASCAR officials have a bunch of different things and moving parts they've always got to be cognizant of. But, like, you don't have a way to review that under caution especially when like again like on the broadcast that's all they talked about during that caution like every everyone knew but nascar officials the people calling the shots didn't know oh well we saw denny go through the grass but we we didn't know why and like and then they're on the radio like after they got told to go to the back like they're on the radio saying we were spun intentionally like like they were on the radio complaining about the fact that they got spun under caution, they couldn't get their spot back, or at least that Byron wasn't being penalized in any way. So, and so Elton, there's, a, there's Elton an, Sawyer, who's uh, a, a, you know former former driver who's now part uh, kind of in charge of officiating and, and kind of stuff, went on Sirius XM Radio like the next day, and he said, "Well, going forward, we'll have discussions like what 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 further technology could we have in our possession in order." tv sure <laughs> or a smartphone well, well he, like he said well he, well he said like oh well if if we had you know byron's in-car camera or hanlon's in car like you two you weeks have ago, those NAS- nascar made a big deal that every car has an in-car camera now yeah you, you have it you literally have it and, what? And, like i <laughs> <laughs> and, and like look like these are major major playoff implications like you know yeah. hamlin hamlin had a good car he could have the way that you know um cars were sort of atrophying there at the front maybe hamlin's got a chance to win that race and maybe he's already locked into the uh, the next round and he doesn't have to worry about talladega or the roval um yeah there's huge playoff implications there um i know it goes the other way here with, with byron you know he but he's only eight points out he can make that up the only two that really need to win are bowman and christopher bell they're more than mm-hmm. 20 points below the cut line but i mean you know you talk about not you know talk about manipulating outcomes like yeah that's nascar manipulated an outcome through through just negligence like there's no way that nascar shouldn't be able to be on top of that like what? Like I have a YouTube TV subscription and I watch, I can watch the race on my phone. You're telling me like, you can't like, it's, it's, well, it's really thing. that it's really that simple. Dude, like NBC dude. has it, but you don't. Well, my, my big issue was that you had like the camera work that was done by NBC at Texas. I've thought was pretty shoddy. Like the, there, there were multiple instances where there's no clear replay of an incident. So you're getting this like zoomed in pixelated shot like the cody Ware accident like he's just this dot that just yeah. shoots up and hits the wall it's like 
I guess that was Cody Ware. Um, so, it, so, so the Hamlin Byron thing, you have to use three different cameras to piece together what happened with that exit. Yeah. The, 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 on, the onboard camera, a camera that's sitting there on the wall on the exit of turn four. And then there was a, I guess a camera up high that actually captured Hamlin going through the grass. So the fact that you have to piece together with like three different Zapruder films to figure <laughs> out what, what, what happened. Not a Zapruder film analogy for Texas. No. Oh! <laughs> no. <laughs> it's too soon. Back into the left. It will all. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, it's too soon. I didn't even think of that. Thank you for bringing that up. But no, it's like, we sh- in 2022, we shouldn't be having to piece together highlights. From, like we should, it, it shouldn't be this hard. So I don't. I agree. So. Um, Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs. Wait, oh wait. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seemed. I saw someone on on uh, on Twitter say that Eric Jones break checked him the second time, and that's why he hit him a second time. Oh, I wasn't even gonna bring that up, but yeah, like. I, I want to know why Eric Jones got up at 1.45 in the morning or whatever to tweet at Ty Gibbs. He's probably still awake. D- don't bump me under caution ever <laughs> don't, again. Don't bump me, bro. It's like, oh, okay, okay, okay Eric. Um, are you okay? Like, like what, 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 if, if I am, if I was a reporter at Talladega this weekend, I'm asking Eric, so what were you doing at 1.45 in the morning? That you- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was that you or was that like your publicist? Was that your agent? Like who? I was hacked. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> but he like he he replied directly to Ty Gibbs' statement on Twitter, said, Don't you ever put me under caution again. I was like, I this this is not a side of Eric Jones we've ever seen. So yeah, I, just, I, I have so many questions. Like, like chill, so- Eric Jones. Yeah, he looks like a he looks like a little league coach, um, <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, what, what what were you gonna say about Ty Gibbs and Eric Jones? Like th- this is his second offense, technically, after uh, his fight with Sam Meyer at Martinsville. Yes. Yeah, um, which he that fight resulted in a NASCAR official getting injured, like mm-hmm. or ha- having to go to the infield care center. He never apologized for that. No, he never apologized. Sam Meyer did immediately. Put, put said sub, said on Twitter, I apologize to the NASCAR official. I'm really sorry, whatever. Ty Gibbs never did. Um, and I could read Ty Gibbs' statement um, that he posted about, you know, almost pushing Ty Gibbs into both a RFK team crew members and NASCAR officials. Um, and I'm, I, I could, I think I could muster up enough sincerity that is completely devoid in that statement <laughs> like, there's no that th- this is th- this is him you, ugh, there's just no sincerity in that yeah when you read that statement you can read it in a stephen hawking voice and it would have the same effect <laughs> like you could just that really robotic just zero emotion voice and yeah um i don't it's just one of those things where he's just someone's gonna have to send a message to him either in pit lane or on the track um well i don't i think ty gibbs has proved with his penalty don't send messages on pit road yeah <laughs> yeah i i don't know man i don't know um 
Well, who's going to win Talladega? Other than the fans that show up. <laughs> well, if, if it doesn't rain because of the hurricane. It's um, looking like it's looking like it should be fine. Okay, good. Um, I haven't looked at any models or anything. Um, man. Uh, uh, on Sunday, it's only going to be a high of 74, but there's uh, only a 10% chance of rain on Sunday. So it's looking okay, good. good. Okay, good. Okay, good. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Um, we get, we got to keep the non-playoff driver streak going. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, man. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Okay. Is my yeah. non, is my is my non-playoff pick among playoff drivers Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney is going to finally get his first win of the season. Um my non-playoff driver pick Man, would it be <laughs> would it be weird to pick Bubba Wallace again? Um Nah, I'm not going to do that. You know what? it's just a podcast i'm just a guy on a podcast uh yeah bubba wallace non-playoff pick shock the world again make the haters mad again um actual playoff pick serious pick i, I genuinely think blaney's gonna win this race and i'm not just saying that because i'm wearing his hat so uh yeah <laughs> i'll pick it's, i'll pick it, blaney i mean it, it's just remarkable that like he's fourth in the standings like that's with no wins at all the season that 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 just shows you how good of a year he had yeah it's 226 like i said 226 stage points which is tied with legato 14 playoff points so like think about it like four races so far no no playoff winners that's 20 playoff points that have been left on the table that's 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 crazy so yeah. i went back so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven playoff points from stage wins have been won by playoff drivers, and Bell has the most of two. That's just in the play. That's just in the playoffs. It's not the whole whole season. So, I I, I genuinely hope that we can just get back to talking about racing. I want oh, to talk ta- about ta- dude, it's Talladega. Something something is. Oh, I know, but like given <sighs> the Cody, given the Cody Ware incident and how big these how hard these hits have been, I really hope that all drivers walk away. One car accidents, one car spins. All I right. I really hope. I really That's hope it. that whenever the big one hits, I hope that everyone walks away. I hope that everyone's okay. I genuinely hope we have nothing to talk about other than racing next week. Um, I expect it to be a good one because you know Blaney can win this race, Chastain can win this race, Hamlin's won on super speedways. Um, you know these sorts of races are anybody's to win and they're everybody's to lose. So um, I just whatever happens, I just genuinely hope we can talk about racing for Same. please. So- so yeah all right so before we close this out little update on me um so two years ago next month i was laid off by nbc sports uh after almost six years i've spent the last two years trying to find a a solid full-time job to take its place while freelancing you know with frenchrush.com and speedsport.com so i finally got one um October 25th, I will be starting as a general assignment reporter for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, based in Little Rock. Woo! Um, I st- will still get to do freelance stuff in the NASCAR space with Front Stretch and occasional like magazine stories for Speed Sport. Like I will be profiling uh, 
whoever is the cup champion in November, I'll be writing the story on that person for the December issue of Speed Sport Magazine. But I will be doing other non-NASCAR journalism stuff for hopefully the foreseeable future. I don't know the fate of this podcast. I haven't asked about that. But I figure like, if I can still do the freelance stuff, this should be okay. I'll find out soon. So... So I'll still try to, to do this podcast at least up until October 25th. So. There you go. That's a whole other month away. Future Daniel. We'll deal, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. Future um, Daniel. Future Daniel. So that's my update. Uh, John, what's been going on with you? <laughs> what's been going on with me? Uh, you know, work, <laughs> reading terrible things that people do to other yeah. people. But no, it's fine. Uh, terrible people or not terrible people. Otherwise, good people that made a really bad choice deserve due process. And I'm happy to give them due process. Um, I'm just looking ahead at what October is going to be. So that'll get us all the way through the Homestead race. So that'll just be two races left. So you can finish out this season. Don't be a baby. <laughs> I, I just won't tell them about the podcast. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep it on the down low. So- <laughs> like one day your editor's like, what? You have a podcast? Not on my watch. Anyways. Throwing stuff across the newsroom. How dare you? (laughs) No, no, in all seriousness, no. I'm I'm really happy for you. You're more than deserving of it. Uh, Best of luck to you. And also, it's really neat that, like, it's where you're already living, like, more or less. It's your home state where you're currently at. So that's cool. So you don't have... Get get to move to Little Rock, Arkansas. I'll be recording this Wednesday night. I'm planning to go down to Little Rock tomorrow to look for a place to live. Nice. Sounds good. Woo pig suey. I hope they beat Alabama this week. So you should totally, since I'm going to be closer to Memphis, you should totally come down and we could go hang out at some music places in Memphis. I don't know. I would, I've, I've been meaning to get to Memphis for some time. So I would, I I would genuinely love to go. I mean, I'm not an Elvis guy, but we could go to Graceland. Oh, I'd love to go to Graceland. Just for, is is this the toilet where he died? (laughs) Is this it? No, sir. <laughs> they, they took that out years ago. <laughs> Jim Irsay bought that. Um, <laughs> have you not heard about like Jim Irsay's like incredibly like eclectic like rock and roll memorabilia collection? No. Like that's like all he does with his money. Like he has like the guitar that Kurt Cobain played in the no- Smells Like Teen Spirit video. He has like a bunch of instruments that the Beatles wrote a bunch of iconic songs on. He's got a bunch of like outfits that like Prince wore. He has like one of Prince's guitar that he played. Like he just had like a show at Lucas Oil where the Colts play, just like showing all the stuff he has. He has like a drum set from Ringo Starr that he played on the Ed Sullivan show. Um, so yeah, it would not shock me at all if Jim say had the toilet that Elvis Presley died on. So um <laughs> what else is a rich man who wants a football team supposed to do with all his money just buy just <laughs> weird stupid stuff with it although that is a good trivia question what happened to the toilet that elvis died on, on that's on your this po- on this podcast <laughs> on, on this six-part podcast we, we, we... <laughs> that's your first story i just gave you your first story for your paper did you does anyone know what happened to the pooper that elvis died on <laughs> and that's how we're going to end this week's episode of dropping a hammer <laughs> with Dale McFadden. I am Dale McFadden. <laughs> Got a screen, had a screenshot, John laughing oh, into his man. hands. Uh. Um, anyway, but yeah, this has been <laughs> dropping the hammer with Dale McFadden. Please check out 
my columns at frenchrush.com, uh, including this week's about putting text more speed away out of its misery. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Subscribe to us on, on YouTube at youtube.com slash Um Follow me on Twitter at DaleFadden. John, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me searching for Elvis's toilet. You know who can figure out where Elvis's toilet went? NASA. Get on it, NASA. Get on it, NASA. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thank you guys for listening. I apologize for drawing in advance. <laughs> All right. All right. Stop the door. That was a good one. <laughs>